a Podcast One production. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is Hookline and Sinker's Back to Basics Fishing Series, where there are no silly questions. This is a place where we strip it back, making it easier for you to get down to the water to enjoy the great sport of angling. I'm Luke McCredden, and joining me are Nick Digan and Andrew Hart, hosts of the long-running TV show Hook, Line and Sinker, a fishing show that's always put the fun before the fish. Australia is an island, surrounded by water, so there are no shortage of places to go fishing. But this episode is all about sorting out the wheat from the chaff. Today, we'll run you through all the readily accessible fishing spots and how to think like a fish. Episode one was all about gearing up, Andrew, but this one is about getting out there and doing it. Look, this one is about thinking like a fish. Um, To catch a fish, Nick, you've got to think like a fish. Yes. We obviously have been very, very fortunate over our 20-year television journey to travel to some of Australia's best fishing Mm. locations, even some international ones, would you believe, which, um, you know, are good but probably not as good as the ones we've got here. No, where's your favourite? My favourite fishing yeah. location, Yes. if I'm brutally honest, it's probably Flinders Island, the place that I grew up and where I go f- to have my summer holiday so every year, Andrew, right around, all around the world, the world and uh, my favourite spot is my home patch. But that's only because it's familiar to me and, yes. I'm ve- and, it's, and the fishery, uh, you know, I'm intimate with the fishery. But if I was... Um, Biggest crayfish in the world, I'm saying there. You biggest crayfish there, they're like three kilos. They can be five kilos. Oh. But if I'm talking about, you know, places to go or aspirational places to go or the best place I've ever been, I'm going to say the Kimberley, Andrew. We were lucky enough to have um, sort of almost a couple of weeks in the Kimberley with our yep. own boat um, not that long ago. The seas were flat. It was 40 degrees. There were fish jumping out of the water everywhere. The um, the scenery is spectacular and it is, for an angler, for a fisherman, that's pretty hard to Yeah, take. that's the thing about fishing. It can take you to some yeah. fabulous places. It's yeah. always in a nice environment and you could literally plan your uh, your holidays around catching a fish, Luke. Mm. And quite often I do and, I, and my favourite place to go and spend some time fishing is the far south coast of New South Wales. Yeah, nice, uh, spot. Yeah, nice spot. Well, the beauty of it is you've got an amazing offshore fishery, but the inland stuff, the estuary fishing, I'm mm. saying, is as good as anywhere in the country. What do you like chasing there, Luke? Well, offshore, the yellowtail kingfish, the yep. marlin, yep. tuna at certain times of the year, and then yep. coming back inland, the brim, mulloway and, and flathead, lots of fun. My favourite is, is uh, very picturesque. That's the Great Barrier Reef. Um, quite a large reef. Well, that's, um, that's uh, <laughs> sort of doesn't 3, narrow it down much. Yeah, yeah no, there's but, a few uh, reefs there that are my favourite. But no, the, the Great Barrier Reef, you know, up off Cooktown there, somewhere yep. around Lizard Island, yep. catching uh, thousand pound black marlin would yep. be uh, would be a day that I spend happily enough. Um, but let's be honest, that's it's, a it's, long way off in your angling career. This is the back to basics uh, series. Correct. So. And uh, look, I grew up fishing. On a wharf in Tasmania, yep, uh, at the mouth of the Tamar River called the Beauty Point, the Inspection Head Wharf, in actual fact, and it was just I spent many, many school holidays and weekends down there. Mum would drop me off, leave me for hours on end, uh, and I would fish and fish and fish, uh, catching little mullet and little flathead and things like that. And it's quite remarkable. 
um, Luke, when Andrew was a wee boy, he knew that he was going to be a, a great fishing luminary. Um, and <laughs> from, you know, the confines of the, the inspection head wharf, he wrote a manifesto of all the things, you know, to the local fishing mag. Mm. Uh, we, and we did a program on this. We The bloke who runs the local fishing mag had kept this letter that Andrew had written to him and why he should be a, um, a journalist for the local fishing mag. And this was his rundown of the inspection head wharf. Um, you know, and the inspection head wharf is a reasonably nondescript wharf in northern Tasmania. It's not, um, you know, it's not a terrible wharf, but it's not the best wharf in the world. But the number and variety of fish that Andrew was going to catch from this wharf would boggle the mind. So um, it's it's probably for people who are aspiring, Hardy, it's not a bad place to start because there's things you can catch. I think if you live on the coast, like most people do, yep. or near the coast, and we're going to go uh, saltwater fishing, then a jetty or a pier or a wharf um, should be your first port of call. No, I'm glad you said that. I agree totally. And I think it's a great learning place as well. So there's, there's a lot of elements in the jetties and piers situation. I cut my teeth fishing on jetties and, and piers and really learn a lot. And you do learn a lot. You're over the water. You get to look into the water and learn about what's under there. You get to see quite a bit, which, which helps then when you're deciding how to fish, so to speak. I think one of the things is, and you touched on it, Nick, a lot of fish are attracted. It's its, its own yeah. fish aggregating device. Correct, correct. And a lot of bait hangs around uh, in crustaceans, shellfish, small bait fish and so forth, which in turn, wherever you are around the country, there'll be some sort of predatory fish that you would target. Um, so in itself, it's its typically a place where a lot of fish ha- hang out. Yeah, we're saying it's sort of like the circle of life. So, you know, stuff grow on the the pylons, mm. and then little tiny stuff comes and eats that, and then bigger stuff comes and eats that, and, you know, big fish come and eat those. So mm. there's sort of plenty of life going on, isn't there? It's one of the truisms of fishing that you're looking, you you know, you're looking for structure. Structure holds little fish which attracts bigger fish, whatever else. So a pier or a jetty is, you know, by its very nature, a huge piece of structure of fish aggregating device, as we have said. Other great thing about um, piers and jetties, Drew, yeah. drive straight to them. Mm, you can do. There's often uh, good parking which there. Is, yeah, mm, yeah, great. Yeah. For- but, but again, it's putting you in the bite zone just about too. So, you know, one a bit of advice I'd say is there's no need to do giant casts out into the middle of nowhere. You're- Feels good though. Feels good to really rip it out there to get up <laughs> yeah. on the jetty and just peg it out there. Go long, go scary long. Like. Yeah. But while you've gone scary I long have. with your cast, yeah. and probably mm. cast over six other people yes, and you're about to get a massive tangle. I am just dropping it down next to a pylon. Oh. I'm dropping a little sinker and a tiny hook. The gear that we purchased in last episode. Yes. Um, a little tiny bit of bait, and I'm dropping it down there, and straight away I'm getting bites. Yeah, I like Catching the way you fish. go about it, Andrew. Well, Nick's standing there. I've just got nothing. No, nothing. No. Well, I've tangled a bloke. Yeah, about to get in a punch <laughs> up with a bloke. Um, yeah, okay. So that that is uh, that is good to know because you will get to the jetty and you will stand on it and you will sort of feel compelled to cast out. But um, Feel free make... to have a cast. Yeah, yeah by all means. But, um, but what we're saying, I guess, is that the fish are going to be attracted to the jetty so fish where the fish are. Yeah, there's nice shadow there. There's places where fish can hide. There's yes. all those sorts of things. Um, fish usually are looking for food. Uh, you know, is that what we're saying? To find fish, find the food? Yeah, a bit like me. Mm. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> to find Andrew, find the bakery. <laughs> Once we're finished with this series, I'm thinking a podcast on baker, Australia's bakeries. I think we're very well qualified. Quite possibly. Are there uh, delineations, do you reckon, Luke, between piers, jetties, wharfs? What are we looking at? Are we... Um, one one size fits all. I think so, and and I think the beauty is the the there's a lot of them around yep. the country. So that you're going to be, as Andrew said earlier, you're going to be near a jetty or a pier or a wharf or whatever it may be. Yep. A harbour, a boat harbour, providing you're allowed to fish in um, particular areas. Check your local guides with that sort of thing because there yep. are some rules and restrictions. But yep. I think um, as a whole, a, a structure like a pier, a jetty, a wharf yep. is an absolutely perfect starting place. It is. I would agree with that. It's a good spot to start. Um, I guess another one that probably springs to mind is the beach, you know, lots of yeah. people mm. near the beach. Good you spot see. to have a fish off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I grew up, Drew, with um, <laughs> my old man who had a thing called Diagon's Universal Laws of Truth. <laughs> And so there weren't a lot of them, but they were drummed in, the, the Diagon's universal laws of truth. Uh, the, first, uh, the first law of truth is that all home beer, home-brewed beer yes. tastes like rubbish. Yes, uh, <laughs> true. The second law, which was probably more applicable in the 70s than now, is that all homemade pottery is thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the third... Um, and most um, important law was that beach fishermen never catch anything. Um, so I had this drummed into me. We would go, to, we'd be down there at Mogs Creek, looking at people lined up along the beach there, and um, my old man would say, "Oh, look at the grim look on their faces. Look how you know shattered they are, and the haunted eyes." Um, but since that time, I have had the opportunity to go beach fishing with mm. uh, people who know what they're doing and will take you to the part of yeah, the Yeah, we've sat on beaches for three days. <laughs> yes, we have. Look, yeah, you know, and there is that. The beach is, um, you know, the beach is sort of feast or famine or, or a uh, somewhere in the middle there. Um, lots, lots of the beach is not great for fishing, probably. I think that's reasonable. So if we're talking about a, uh, you know, an exposed ocean beach mm. that has waves breaking on it, um, there is some element of picking a good spot. There might be large elements, large parts of that beach which don't necessarily lend themselves um, particularly well to fishing. So what you're looking for is a bit of a change in the beach. I guess yeah. what, what everyone will always tell you to do is look for the gutters. So... Usually, you know, if there are waves acting on a beach, there will be a gutter running sort of parallel with the beach. There might be one, there might be two, there might be three even. But um, what you kind of want is where those gutters actually go out from the beach, so where the beaches drain out. So you, by all means, fish those gutters that are parallel with the beach, but if you can find the area where it then heads out to sea... And you're finding a gutter by no white water, basically. Well, that's so. right. The the less because the water's deeper, the waves break less easily. So yep. you're looking for areas um, that aren't breaking as much as the surrounding areas. Karma bits. Karma bits. Yep. Karma bits. Bit of current. Whatever else. So yep. those are the those are the key areas to concentrate on when you're looking for a spot to fish on the beach. If you just peg it out there into the surf, um, chances are you won't go that well. No, it'll probably just end up back at your feet. Yes. Whereas um, if you throw it out in a deeper channel, and, and, and often every beach people, has them. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. Every beach, every beach will have something, whether it's, yep. a, you know, near the headlands or in the middle or whatever. Yep. It will all have some, it looks 
exactly the same, but if you wander along it, you will find areas that are a bit different. People will tell you that you should get up high or, you know, go and climb the hill behind the beach, and that's fine, you can do that. But simply by wandering down the beach, you'll kind of pick up areas that look a little bit different to the rest of it. Um, What are we catching from the beach? It's a really good question. I mean, so there are those ocean beaches you know, where you're looking at things like um, Australian salmon, pretty common off those, particularly in the southern states, maybe um, Taylor a little bit further north, Um, you know, maybe in an estuary beach where there aren't waves crashing so much on the beach. Obviously, your flathead is um, good to go there. Brim, whiting, whiting, dart, tar wine, Luke. Mm. Mm. Uh, When we talked about gear last week, this is... um, most of the time on the beach you'll see people, ocean beach, you'll see people with big long rods. Um, we've got our seven-foot rod, which I think in most circumstances yeah. is good enough. It You're not going to go you if it's howling, no. blowing straight in your face too hard. No. Um, go on a nice day, hopefully with a little offshore breeze, and your seven-foot rod that we purchased last episode yep. will be fine. Yep. little sinker, a yep. little hook, yep. a little bit of bait, yep. throw it out there. You'll be fine. Yeah. By means of a rig, you know, our little sinker that we talked about is probably okay. Yeah. Those ball sinkers will move around a bit, obviously, in surf. Um, one thing you can do, you know, if you want to look like a pro, yeah. is put some burley in the water, you know. Yeah, at your feet there. there. Yeah, at your mm. feet. Um, yeah. People will think you are a bit of a pro. Burley. We haven't really even mentioned burley, dogs. No. Um, and we, we will talk more um, specifically about burley in, yeah. in coming uh, There's a episodes. whole episode on that. Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's introducing a bit of stink, basically, a bit of bait yeah. into the Bring water. Bring the fish to your feet. Correct. Yeah. To aggregate the fish to you. Yeah. So, a bit of cat um, food. Yes. Cat food. Fantastic burley. Cat food. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, We're all about cats in this series. Yeah. Cat gut, cat food. <laughs> yeah. Luke, one thing I will tell you about fishing the beach, though, particularly yeah. with the gear that we've got, mm. our spinning outfit is that sand yeah. is the enemy. Mm. Sand kind of ruins stuff. It gets in everywhere. So if you're going to go down to the beach, um, I would strongly advise that you get something in which to put your fishing outfits, say like a sand yeah. rod holder, something you can drive into the sand so you can sit your uh, rod in it and it doesn't fall in Yeah, it would be better if the beach was grass or concrete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or yeah, um, fake grass. You know. Fake grass. Yes, that would be much that. better. Yeah, because sand is really annoying. Terrible. It's in everything. But that's all right. It's just part of it, isn't it? At either end of the beach, though, there are rocks usually. Yep. Um, Headland. Headlands and that sort of stuff. So rock fishing is, um, you know, is a big thing. People do a lot of rock fishing. Rock fishing can be terrible. It can be terrible. Um, It can be very dangerous in Mm. actual fact, particularly on those areas that have got a bit of surf. People die uh, semi-regularly, hopefully not so much now that they're across it. But um, The thing I hate about rock fishing, other than dying, is is that you get snagged all of the time. So if you throw your sinker and your hook out there, there's rocks and there's weed and there's stuff that it just gets caught on and you'll spend all day hooked up to the bottom. And then you'll go too close to the water trying to get your snag off and a big wave will come up and sweep you away. So I'm saying for the people that are interested in this series, um, leave those ocean-exposed, heavy, swell rock ledges probably alone. Um, You need a floating rig. Um, You need to stay out of the bottom. Um, It's probably a a level of technicality above where we're at. We might get to it in the future with with some sort of good rock fisher person because um, 
we're not very good at it. Yeah, but there are people there who are catch people great fish, you know, great fish, oh, yeah. and it's um, and they get obsessed by it. They do. But for for this, I'm saying stay on the beach. The mm. beach is good. You'll catch fish. You're listening to Hook, Line and Sinker Back to Basics Fishing Series. If you're enjoying the series, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Just hit five stars and tell us what you like about the series and why. You can get in touch with us and say day on our Facebook page, Hook, Line and Sinker, Australian Fishing Show. So a beach and a jetty, yep, two we, very yep. good spots. Yep. What about for people who live away from the coast? Well, they need a holiday house, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about people, you know, who have a river nearby? Yes. A river or a lake or a dam. Fresh water, I'm talking okay. about now. Yep. Yeah, yep. Okay, so I, uh, as well as growing up on the wharf, I, a few years later, grew up fishing a little river in Tasmania for trout. And once again, mum would just drop me off and yep. I'd walk around this river. Um, catching you could see fish. the smile on her face as she drove away. <laughs> <laughs> see you, darling. They were different times. She <laughs> yeah. would leave me for, you know, yeah. eight hours yeah. out there and there I was stuck. Yeah. She'd pack me a little lunch and I'd just walk around <laughs> yeah. catching nothing usually. Yeah. Um, but look, there's a few things you need to know about rivers. It uh, doesn't matter where you are, if you're fishing in Tasmania or in the Northern Territory. Yep. Um, Fish will be attracted once again, Luke, to structure. So mm. we, we spoke about it with the jetty and the pier. The fish are, are attracted to structure. In the rivers, there's mm-hmm. no jetties and piers, but there are snags. So there's often uh, a tree that's fallen over or yep. um, a rocky bank or something like that that's just a little bit different that, that will attract the fish. It's a bit of a hard one to, to mentally get your head around mm. because – where you want your bait and your line and your rig is right in that snag where you're likely to also lose it. But, yes. But that, that comes part of it, doesn't it? That's where they live. So, you know, we, were, we just got back from the Cod Classic on the Murray River at Lake Mawala, and one of the most popular ways of catching them was with a hook and a little sinker like we're talking about, and the bait is cheese. Mozzarella cheese is the yep, best. Yep. Uh, and the cod, for some reason, love cheese. And you'd literally, you'd stand on the bank and you'd find a, a snag, a bush or something that's in the water, and you just drop it straight down underneath the bush, as, as you say, as close to it as you can. And that's the cod will come and, and bite it. Um, but it's the same with barramundi. It's the same with brim. Um, you know, it's the same with, with all fish. If there's going to be a snag there, a home for them, um, you know, it, it creates shelter for them and it also creates a good feeding place for them because other little fish come and hang out there trying to get out of the river as well. Um, rivers that flow with lots of current, uh, can be a bit daunting to fish because yep. if you throw your bait out there... It washes down the river. It washes down the river. So a bit like the beach, we're yep. going to read the river. We're yep. going to try and find little eddies and backwaters and you can easily do it. You just sort of walk up the river um, trying not to get bitten by a snake because yes. they're bad at rivers. In yep. rivers. Um, but we're going to find, yeah, a little a little backwater where the, where the current sort of goes. It might hit a bank and it might go around and it creates a little sort of a... almost like a little pond where there's not as much flow. That's a good spot to throw a bait. Yeah. Yeah, we used to. I used to live uh, next to a river called the South Esk River, and as it would flood, you know, you'd get these little back eddies, and you'd go and dig up a few worms. Yeah, and again, just a hook, tiny little bit of weight, and if you could toss your worm into an area that was just sort of filling up a bit of a back eddy, the trout would come sniffing around over these freshly flooded areas, and bang, it was a deadly effective way of catching well, a fish. What's the best way to identify these particular bits of water? Because when you do look at a river a lot of the time, all you see is running water. 
Well, often it's looking at um, the water running the opposite direction. So the water may actually go around on itself. But it's just really where the, where there's no flow. So, you know, you might need to walk up the river a bit, but usually it'll be maybe a wider bit of the river or the water may actually be flowing back up against itself. Um, it's okay. just sort of trying to find something that's different to the flow. Maybe a deeper bit of the river, you know, shallow shallow parts of the river have white water, deeper bits sort of have a, a slower flow. But one thing you will see, and this is particularly true for trout, and it, it, we can use it for all fishing of rivers, uh, and that's often there's a feed line, so little bits of foam, you know, mm. the, the current will create this sort of bubble line. Yeah. And if there's going to be food that washes into the river, so say, for example, a dragonfly or a grasshopper or a baby bird or a mouse and it can't swim, it's going to get flowed flowed down the river and it will flow basically on this bubble line. So it'll go okay. you know, across the river here and down the river there and over the rapids here. And often fish will sit uh, at the end of one of those bubble lines because it's just a nice... It's like a sushi nice, train. It's like mm. sushi train. Mm. You just sit there and you come yeah. up and you yeah, eat. That. Eat, eat. So yeah. bear that in mind as well. That's just a Good. little bit of advice. Um, I guess the, the other line. thing is that the fish are very unlikely to be sitting out there in the hard running current, yes. using up lots of energy just to sit there. They will be sitting in calmer water, in calmer water where they don't have to swim all the whole time. So rivers, we're going to find a snag, or we're going to yep. throw a boat around that, a okay. boat around there, and we're also going to find um, a sort of a backwater or a back eddy and yep. throw a boat in there. Okay. Dams and lakes. There's lots of dams and lakes that, yep. are, that have got fish in them. Australia's great, and that lots of lots of dams are actually stocked. So fisheries departments or local clubs spend some money and actually stock a lot of dams with fish, depending on where you are in the country. In the south, it's trout, uh, you know, or bass. Uh, as you go further up, it's it's cod and yellow belly and right up to barramundi. So these dams are great places to go fishing. Uh, where do you start? I would start at a point okay. or a headland. Yep. So, you know, they're funny shaped um, dams and lakes. They're not just sort of a round pond usually. people's tendency is to find a nice sheltered spot. Yes. You know, where there's a nice bit of bank to sit on. Mm. But which yes. is more about which the is, angler than the fish. Correct. It's more about the angler. Um Usually the point or the headland is a bit exposed. It might have wind on it. It might not be the, the nicest place to sit. No, but again, the wind is sort of creating its own bubble line, I suppose, and, yeah. and the fish know to sit there and, and that's where the food is going to, to sort of either swim past or flow past. So that's where the fish are going to be. So I would walk out to a point and I would fish around that point. And interestingly enough, if you can do it, the shore where the wind is blowing onto mm. is probably the best shore, particularly if it's been a sustained couple of days of breeze blowing onto the shore, yep. that's a good shore to fish. Even though the wind's going to be in your face and it's going to be annoying, um, chances are you'll you'll pr probably catch more fish along that shore because the wind's been blowing in there, stirring up, you know, the food that live under the rocks yep. and in the weed and whatever else, and the big fish will follow. So you, you've got to get out of your comfort zone, Luke. All of this chat, you know, of peers and um, standing on windy headlands fishing will convince you of the need to get a boat. <laughs> <laughs> you will look with, uh, with quite a bit of jealousy of the people Yeah, floating you boats. will. They'll be, uh, they'll be floating around and they won't, you know, the reality of fishing from the land is you are confined to fishing from the land and so there are a finite yep. number of places where you can fish and there might be other people there. So you watch people floating around in boats and they have a degree of freedom that's not afforded to the land-based angler. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a huge game cruiser. No, it can actually no. Be as, as, you know, it can be a kayak. Yeah, Kayak yeah, fishing great. is huge at the moment. Everyone's yeah. right into it. Fitness, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd much prefer an outboard <laughs> engine and a boat. But um, that people really for some reason... 
hate it. I try and get it up and say, we should do a kayaking show. Oh, I hate kayaking. <laughs> but people do like it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you can just paddle out there a little bit. But where do you go? This is the question. So, you know, off a jetty, we're going to go around the pylons. Yeah. Off a beach, we're going to go in a gutter. Yeah. In a river, we're going to go around a snag. Yeah. We're, we're putting a boat in the water now. Go way out. <laughs> go way long. <laughs> go to sea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, where, where should we start? We've looking? got to look from... Uh, we've got to look for structure, don't we? It's we no different to the land base thing, Nick. Yes. You're looking for structure. Yes. You're looking for some areas that look fishy. You've got to think like a think fish, Andrew. Like a fish. Yeah. That was what we started this uh, right. episode saying. You do. You've got to look for a, there might be a channel. And in that channel, you know, there might be an edge of a channel with some current that sort of pushes onto it. And if you're thinking like a fish, perhaps that's where the bait's going to be washed to. So that's where you cast your line. Um, there it might be a- some snags. So again, the, the snag, these snags might be out in the middle of the water somewhere. Mm. Find the structure, find the fish, find the food. Find, find the, the food. Fish. It is a massive topic though, yeah. I guess, um, you know, where do you go in your boat? The point we're making here is if you can in a kayak, in a little blow-up boat, we've done that plenty of times, you can get out on the water and that will obviously expand your angling options. It's a good thing to do, but we'll do. A separate episode, I suspect, uh, somewhere down the track where we talk about what you can do in a boat. Worth talking about, I guess, at this point, some of the regulatory constraints, licensing, um, which in Australia is a bit of a mixed bag. Can be a little bit complicated, but I guess this is where I suppose we can give a snapshot. Yes, um, and we do this very much by saying check your local guides. You know, the, the information not difficult to find if you type in uh, what fishing licence do I need no. in a various state. But but to broadly summarise, uh, the state of Victoria you basically need a licence to do anything yes. fishing-wise that's the same in New South Wales. WA is an interesting one. It is sort of complicated there. Um, you need a licence to fish from a boat, but you don't need a licence to fish from the shore. You need a licence to catch um, some species and not others. It's a bit of a funny one. In Tassie, you need a licence to fish the freshwater and some of the high-value fisheries like rock lobster and abalone. You need a licence. Queensland, yes. not much unless you fish those stocked impoundments that we were yeah. talking about, those right? dams. Mm. Yeah, you need a licence to fish those. So that's Didn't know weird. that. No, <laughs> no, you might need to get one of those, no. Drew. Um, South Australia, there is no licence required, but they've just banned fishing there, well, interestingly enough. Banned um, snapper fishing. For three uh, years. Which is a mm. huge decision to make. In the ACT, you don't need a licence because mm. it's, uh, you know, whatever. And as if in the Northern Territory, <laughs> <laughs> just as you were. I don't think in license. the Northern Territory you even need a boat licence, do you? Uh, no, you don't it's, need it. It's just no. a free-for-all up there. Just a, a Survive if you can. And an esky. Yes. And away you go. All right, so I feel pretty comfortable now knowing about beaches and piers and jetties, rivers and lakes, but I suppose in my local area, if I wanted to head out for this weekend, what's the best way to find a place to go, a specific destination? Mm, Some local knowledge, someone to tell me where. So Mm. um, I guess the internet is is good if you're kind of um, up with what might be the local fishing chat sites and that sort of stuff. Yeah, Facebook, usually there's, um, if you search Facebook, there's often groups for each local area, which are very good. 
Mm. because you can join, for example, the Tasmanian snapper group yeah. and every snapper that is caught, you know, there's a discussion that's put up there and you get a bit of information, you can yep. ask questions. Um, yep. So Facebook's good uh, and the internet. Obviously your tackle shop is that's, very good, you know, yes. which has long been the source of information. You know, when Andrew and I turn up in an area to go fishing, you know, if we've got our own boat and we're doing our own thing, it's the first place we go. You go to the tackle shop, you talk to the people in there because they're interacting with everybody else. Else who's mm. going fishing? So, um, and you know, there's always an exchange of information. So, those guys in there will have um, places that you can go. They'll have um, species that you're likely to encounter. Those sorts of things maybe sell you a few bits and pieces on the way through. Yeah. Um, now, if you want to take it to the next level, oh yeah, and you've mm-hmm. got some technology now about you. Yeah. So I'm not really talking to Nick here. Okay. Oh, Talk to me. Uh, oh. Google Earth. Okay. Oh. It's a thing. It's, it's a thing that's on the that you can get on the internet, Luke. Oh, yeah. this is uh, this is the tech breakout. It's, it's and what it is, yeah. a satellite has gone all over the whole Earth and taken oh, photos. Go on, yep. And you can actually Did your zoom. Name tell you that. <laughs> you, can actually, you can actually zoom in on a particular yeah. area, and it will show you a satellite image of that area. So yeah. I'm, you're probably not familiar with it, Luke. But nah. And I how didn't know it what, uh, does it have fishing spots <laughs> pointed out, or just no, pictures of the what world? What it does, yeah. you'll be, and you can bring it up on your phone, yeah. your maps, yeah. put it onto satellite. Mm-hmm. It will show you the lakes or the rivers. It'll actually show you deeper water. It'll show you where the water is deep, where the water is shallow, where the points are, where you can drive to the points. So you can actually look at it in your local area and and think like a fish, Luke, and mm-hmm. go, you know what, that point there, that's got some deep water running along that northern side of it. That might be a good spot to go fishing. It's a good idea. Remarkable. But, um, but in your tech chat there, yeah. you haven't mentioned that Google Earth can tell you what time of day to go or what time of tide to go. Well, is, can't. No, that's no, right. No, no. So where do I go no. to find all that information? Well, why are we brushing over Google Earth? No, so I think Google Earth is the way of the future, John. I think it's going to catch on the internet and everything probably. Um, no, it's good. I've only just it's discovered good. it. And it's, oh, you haven't. It is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You can look, say, at a river, for example. You can find a patch of river that has snags in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's seen it. Um, one of the things, no, forgive great. me, Andrew, to just bring this back into the 21st century. <laughs> um there are very, very good books and oh. magazines. <laughs> books and magazines. Books, hard copy books, magazines, and even little maps yes. that you can get and from homemade pottery from your from your tackle shop. Remember the uh, the Northern Territory Fish Finder book? Yeah. It had GPS marks mm. for a billion places to go fishing in the Northern Territory. Now, I know Google Earth is very good and you can see rivers, <laughs> but this will have GPS coordinates. Oh, what's and, a and GPS? And so, that, hang on, I walked into the tackle store for the first time last week. Yep. I've got a rod, yep. a reel, a pack of hooks and a bucket, yep. and now you want me to have a GPS? Have you got a phone? You've got a GPS. Okay, <laughs> I'll just let me continue on. So you don't need to take it to that level, but often, um, you know, tackle shops will have maps of their local area with fishing spots marked and species marked on them. Where in are the those tri- tackle shops? Are you joking? <laughs> We've done it. Ask around. You'll find fishing spots, but it is it is um, a point worth, worth looking into because you don't just want to 
drive down to your local uh, beach, which is probably a terrible spot to go fishing. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing it's worth probably considering is the time of day. Fish are easier to catch when they're Biting, and I hate when this. When I despise when this. You know, when we go, we, we often go fishing on yep. our show, and we get local knowledge in to yep. help us. Yeah, because Nick and I, when we go fishing by ourselves, don't catch anything. Don't catch <clears throat> anything usually. <clears throat> um, so we get a local person to help us out, and you know, the first thing they want us to do, get up at four a.m. Four a.m. would be late for right. quite a few yeah. of them. Yeah, you know, meet at the ramp at four a.m. Yeah, it's just like. Yes. Oh. So that is <laughs> an inconvenient truth. Yes. Fish, I think, universally probably bite better early in the morning or late in the evening. That, yes. In that period of dawn, pre-dawn to dawn, mm. um, and as the sun goes down, those are the most productive times of the day to fish. If you can overlap that. With tide change and a moon phase. Oh, hang on. <laughs> no, no, hang we're on. getting it. We're getting it. Don't worry about the moon. The moon is stupid. Don't let anyone talk yeah. about the moon. Um, the only thing I'd say about getting up early, if you live in a busy area, say, for example, Sydney Harbour, which is a fantastic place for fishing. Yep. They've banned all commercial fishing and the recreational fishing Great. in the harbour is coming back. But, you know, it's a very busy harbour, same as Brisbane's Moreton Bay, yep. um, it's probably same as Port Phillip Bay, you know, yep. um, same as downtown Perth. Um, if you're going to be fishing areas where there's lots of people, lots of noise, then it's really important to get up early and mm -hmm. be on the water at first light. Um, you'll give yourself much more chances of catching fish. But yep. if you're in a remote area, yeah, sleep in. Yeah. Go to the bakery. Yeah. Go fishing about nine. And look, just because you don't get there at first light, don't make that a reason not to go because it's no, not it's exactly. not the defining factor. It is probably it is a factor that potentially contributes in some way, but it's not by any means uh, a deal breaker. Yeah. The other thing is weather. Um, yep. Check your weather. Now we've become very much fair weather fishermen, so we want to go fishing when the weather's nice and not when the weather's you know, blowing 30 knots and horizontal rain. Um, and there's no excuse now because back with my technology and I live my oh, life oh, with a lot of technology, um, yeah. oh. there's certain apps, Luke, you'd yeah. be surprised apps. to know, that tell you the weather down to the minute, really. Yeah. Um, so, no, yep, yeah, look at it. Does it say it's sunny? Does it say it's raining? Who cares if it's sunny or raining? What we care about as fishermen is the wind, the wind speed and the direction of the wind. Why is the wind so important and crucial? Well, because if it's blowing in your face at, you know, 50 kilometres an hour, you cast out and you're going to get tangled. Mm -hmm. um, that's one reason, Nick. Uh, Luke, if you've bought a graphite rod and there's a thunderstorm in the area and you hold it up <laughs> high above your head, the, the Lord will smite you down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just basically for, uh, you know, the pleasantness of the experience by and large. Um, yeah. You know, wind makes it hard to fish. If it's raining, it's not very nice. We would always choose a nice day and calm conditions and away you go. So a wrap-up, Nick mm. and Luke, of our location, 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 think like a fish episode, I'm calling it. Okay. Yeah. What have you got? Plenty of places to go. I've got that fish are creatures of habit. Find the food, find the fish. Yep, no matter if it's the jetty, the beach or Upper Creek, direct your efforts where there is some structure. So that's a channel and edge. And if you do that, you're halfway home. Mm. 
I think have a look at Google Earth oh, yeah. and yeah, really yes. get uh, to know your local area. Talk to the guys in the tackle shop because they, you know, it's their job to catch your fish. The more fish you catch, the more you're going to come back and buy more hooks. So yep. they'll tell you where to go. That advice is very, very sound and important. Even look for areas that people are fishing too. Yeah, if yeah, you drive yeah. past an area and there's, you know, a few people fishing, then yep. that obviously means... Put that in the bank because that's the bank. a fishing spot. That's a fishing spot. Yep. And that's what we're looking for. Yep. Guys, very excited because in our next episode of Hook, Line and Sinkers Back to Basics series, it's all about to get real. Action and gear are taken care of and now it's time to go fishing. Rigs and rigging, learning the knots, the burly and the bait, it's all about to happen in this next episode. Hook, Line and Sinker is a Podcast One Australia production. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Darcy Thompson.